It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo of MLBPipeline.com. And the lists have begun. I know this is a favorite time of year for a lot of people who follow prospects in Major League Baseball as you guys have started to put together these top 10 lists per position before we eventually get to the top 100 and then top 30s for every team in Major League Baseball. But as we sit here, the top 10 right-handed pitchers and the top 10 left-handed pitchers have been released. Jonathan, if you could just kind of fill people in on, on what you guys do to come up with these lists because you're not just kind of throwing these together. A lot goes into this. Jim has a, uh, a large Ouija board. <laughs> and No. Um, yeah, the, a lot goes into it. it. It really stems from the work that we put into doing the top 100 list, uh, which will come out on January 29th, shameless plug. Uh, and uh, we will all come up with our own, myself and Jim and Mike Rosenbaum, uh, our third member of our merry band of misfits. Uh, and then we'll kind of combine them, tweak it a little bit, and then we'll send it out for uh, feedback to scouts, executives, you know, scouting directors that we all know, and then we'll tweak it from there. And then from that, we you know are able to sort of parse it out into the top 10 by position lists. Uh, obviously, not all of the lists are full of top 100 guys, so then we have to kind of drill down a little bit deeper and and, and figure it out from there. But that's the that's the process in a nutshell. All right, well, let's dig into the right-handed pitchers list. If you want to see the full top ten, of course, you can check it out on MLBPipeline.com. We're going to kind of go through some of the highlights of the list. And, and Jim, I know you wrote the story for the right-handed pitchers, so I'm going to start with you. And let's start at the top. I don't think it comes as any surprise that Lucas Giolito of the Washington Nationals is your number one righty. No, and and I don't think I'm giving anything away by uh, telling people that he's the number one pitcher overall in baseball. I mean, it's an easy choice. I mean, he's got the best stuff in the minors. He's got a fastball that that sits in the mid-90s. It's hit 100 miles an hour. His curveball is one of the best in the minors as well. He's got an advanced changeup. He throws a lot of strikes. He's got you know size in the, in the, on his side also. He's six foot six. He's, a, I think, a very cerebral pitcher. Uh, you know, if you're looking at Lucas Giolito, I, I don't know what the red flag would be other than the medical history a little bit because he injured his elbow in 2012 in high school, cost him a chance to be the first right-hander, high school right-hander, ever go number one overall. Had Tommy John surgery at the year, and he's been fine since. So I don't think there's there's concerns. I mean, the, the one concern would be, I guess, how long does Tommy John surgery last but, you know, the, the Nationals have handled him very carefully, and, and, and I would think we'd see him in the big leagues at some point this season. The, the Nationals have tried to advance him with caution and, and, and treat him gingerly, but he's at the point, point. I think they're at the point, where it's time to cut him loose and see what he could do in the big leagues, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him up 
uh, even sooner than expected this year. The Nationals have had such success taking guys who were injured heading into the draft and, and having faith in, and I guess, their medical team and guys to turn these guys around. It's happened so much. Anthony Rendon, another guy who slipped a little bit to them, and, and he's been so good for the Nationals. All right, number two on the list, Jonathan, is Tyler Glasnow of your hometown Pittsburgh Pirates. Are you calling me a homer? <laughs> it just happened wow. to work out that you get to talk uh, no, about the Pirates. As luck would have it, number two on the list is uh, is a guy from here in Pittsburgh. And, and uh, you know, Glass now uh, is one of these guys when he was drafted back in 2011, was this really tall, gangly, thin, and raw pitcher, uh, throwing kind of upper 80s, touching 91-92. And, the, you know, the Pirates uh, – saw a lot of projection in him and, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's really worked with him. And he now sits in the mid to upper nineties. Uh, he, he's got the chance to be a, a top of the rotation starter as well. Uh, you know, he's not Giolito in terms of, of the polish, but uh, in terms of the, the fastball and breaking ball combination, uh, it's somewhat comparable. Uh, his changeup has improved uh, uh, a good amount as well. You know what happened last year is uh, he missed time with an ankle injury. When he came out back, he, he was having trouble with uh, locating his curveball, which he'd been really working on. Um, so it forced him to throw his changeup more. So it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise. So his changeup has now improved. The only thing that holding him back has been command. Uh, walk rate is still a little high. That uh, he misses a ton of bats. He's probably been one of the toughest pitching prospects to hit uh, over the last few years. His batting average against and hit rates are always uh, crazy along with the strikeout rates. Uh, and I think he's another guy that we're going to see in the big leagues at some point uh, in 2016. A few years ago, it seemed like it was going to be Jamison Tyon coming up for the Pirates and then Tyler Glasnow down the road as the next guy. But because of injury, we still haven't seen Tyon in Pittsburgh. Is Glasnow going to beat him to the major leagues? No. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. I think Tyon beats him. Uh, a lot of that depends on how Tyon comes out and, and, and pitches. But there, yeah, I mean, Glasnow's certainly gone past him on prospect radars, and uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be pretty close, I think, uh, in terms of, of that. But uh, both are, will be probably in a triple-A rotation. That should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's going to be... It'll be interesting to see what happens with those guys, Jonathan, because even before Tyon got hurt, as you alluded to, you know, Glasnow misses bats maybe about as easily as any pitcher in the minors. You know, guys just swing and miss at the, at the fastball, even, you know, when it's in the zone, can't seem to catch up to it. And, uh, you know, Tyone was the more famous guy, the number two overall pick in the draft. And as good as he is, and I still think, you know, his, his future is very promising. You know, coming back from Tommy John isn't uh, – you know, isn't too worrisome. You know, that was kind of maybe the biggest knock on Tyone is for all his stuff, he didn't miss as many bats as you thought he might. So I'll be very curious to see how that plays out in the yep. long term in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and combining those two guys with Garrett Cole, it's going to be a lot of fun in Pittsburgh as far as that rotation goes. All right, I want you guys to touch on another guy from this top ten that, that you like a lot. Jim, let's start with you. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll go with Carson Fulmer. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, this is a talented list, uh, and, you know, we're gonna, we have, I think, 29 or, or 30 right-handers. I know we're all top 100, so there's plenty of interesting right-handers. But, you know, I thought Carson Fulmer was the best college pitcher in last year's draft, best pitcher in last year's draft. He wound up being the third one selected, going to White Sox at number eight overall. 
Uh, yeah, just very impressive to watch him the last two years at the College World Series. He was the best starter on Vanderbilt's College World Series championship team in 2014, and he was the best starter on their College World Series runner-up team in 2015, led Division One with 14 wins, second with 167 strikeouts. I, I think this guy's going to move as fast as Chris Sale and Carlos Rodon did with the White Sox. He's going to rocket to the big leagues. Very, very quickly. He, he's got a mid-90s fastball. He's got a power curveball. His changeups probably average third pitch. And, you know, the, the knocks on Carson Fulmer, the, the, there's two knocks on him. He, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's about six feet tall. And he's got a high-tempo delivery that sometimes costs him some control and command. And, you know, the scouts look at the size and they look at the tempo and the delivery. Some scouts do and think, okay, that guy needs to be a reliever because he's not going to hold up. But I, I will say – you know, since he became a starter, uh, you know, and Vanderbilt had a loaded staff. A lot of staffs he would have been a starter as a freshman. But since he became a starter midway through his sophomore year, he brought that, that quality stuff, that, that plus-plus fastball, that plus curve, start after start after start. I mean, he, he, he's very athletic. He's very competitive. He doesn't have a problem maintaining his stuff into the late innings, even though he's not the biggest guy and there's a lot of, a lot of uh, – you know, effort in his delivery. I, I think this guy's going to be a number two starter. And uh, you know, again, you know, we're talking. You know, everybody we've talked about so far, we've talked about being in the big leagues this year. I mean, more realistically, you'd probably say 2017 for Carson Fulmer. But if, if they want him, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the White Sox somehow sneak into contention or, or need a pitcher. We might see Carson Fulmer at the end of 2016. And he certainly knows winning, going all the way to the College World Series Finals two years in a row there at Vanderbilt. All right, Jonathan, who else do you really? I know you guys like all these guys but who else would you like to talk about in this top 10 well you know we went with the the really tall right handers uh, right off the bat and you know so he, then he went Carson Fulmer so I'll go Jose Barrios uh of the the twins another guy who we will see in Minnesota in, in 2016 in fact the twins seriously considered bringing him up for the stretch run uh late last year and just decided against it in terms of his long-term future uh, he'd thrown enough innings, and uh, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, he's very athletic. He's stronger than than he would think. So uh, durability is not going to be uh, a question. Uh, and he he's he is a you know he doesn't have the the pure raw stuff of uh, of a Giolito uh, or or a Glassnow, uh, but he's got plenty of stuff, and he he knows how to pitch. And probably more than anything, uh, you know, along with a, a very good three pitch mix is. He is unbelievably competitive. He pitches with a, a chip on his shoulder, uh, which I think you see a lot of times from guys who are a little bit undersized. They're told at various times that they're you know they're not big enough to start or they can't do this or that. But um, you know I think at the end of the day he is going to be at the very least uh, a middle of the rotation guy. But I think he has a chance to be kind of more of a of a front line guy when all is said and done. And that's really what this Twins team, I think, needs when you look at how many step, how far they came last year, but they don't have that top-of-the-rotation kind of starter, so if Berrios could do that, it would be huge for that turnaround in Minnesota. All right, how about, a, how about some guys that didn't make the top ten but maybe were, were right there and, and you guys considered? Jim, let's start with you. Yeah, I actually had Francis Martez of the Astros is one of my top ten right-handers overall. But uh, me and Jonathan and Mike uh, didn't uh, didn't back me on that, so he just missed the top ten. Um, and he, he intrigues me more as much as about just about any prospect in the minors because a year ago, or I should say two years ago, mid-2014, he's in the Gulf Coast League with the Marlins. The Astros did a tremendous job of, of asking for him, uh, knowing who he was, and getting him in the Jared Cozart deal. 
And you fast forward a year later, he's in double A at age 19. His fastball's up to the mid-90s and touching 98. His curveball's one of the best in the minor leagues. His changeup's showing strides. He's throwing a lot more strikes. I mean, all of a sudden, this guy looks like a frontline starter. Nobody heard of him the year before. And I, I really do think that his emergence was a big part of the reason why the Astros felt comfortable trading Vincent Velasquez and Mark Appel in the deal. To get Ken Giles, I mean, both of those guys are, are very good young pitchers, but Martez has a higher ceiling, and he's made so much progress, uh, jumping from rookie ball to double-A in a year, that he could be in the big leagues, you know, at some point this year, perhaps, if needed, um, you know, and definitely next year. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, is this for real? Can he continue to get better? He, he developed so much last year. Uh, you know, just a very, very intriguing guy. And we started this conversation talking about Lucas Giolito. And, of course, a lot of people realize he was on the same team with Max Fried in high school. But, Jonathan, there was another pitcher on that Harvard-Westlake team as well, right? Wow, you're, you're diving into your NHSI history there, Tim. That's very <laughs> impressive. Uh, yes, uh, Flaherty was a, a sophomore uh, third baseman and, and pitcher when Giolito and Fried were seniors. And it was actually Flaherty who stepped up uh, big time uh, at the NHSI. Uh, Giolito wasn't pitching. He was already out with that elbow injury. Freed was there. Uh, Flaherty kind of put himself on the map as a pitcher and then kept going. And what kind of intrigues me uh, about him is that uh, he, he's always had a kind of bizarrely advanced feel for pitching, given the fact that he was also a position player. Uh, the stuff is kind of doesn't jump out at you it's good across the board a tick above average across the board but he really knows how to pitch and there, there's some upside you know he's tall he's projectable he's going to add more strength so there might be more velocity so you know right now he's not a top 10 uh right-handed pitching prospect but if you told me at this time next year or, or maybe even two years from now that he'd be in that group i'd believe it because i think there's more to come and he's already got that foundation of, of really, really excellent command and, and knowing how to mix his, uh, his pitches extremely well. Yet another arm in that Cardinal system. And a guy we didn't talk about, number three on the right-handers list, Alex Reyes, another ar Cardinals arm. They just keep coming out of that St. Louis organization. All right, let's switch things over to the lefties now, the top ten left-handed pitchers also available on MLBPipeline.com. And, Jonathan, I'm going to start with you on this one. You wrote the article for this story. And uh, Julio Urias, another one, no surprise, but he's still such a youngster, and he's your number one lefty. Yeah, it's kind of amazing to think that he is uh, still a teenager. I feel like we've been talking about him for for a while, but uh, you know, the the word that I think has been used the the most uh, to describe him is precocious, and I think it fits. I mean, he's done well at pretty much every level. Uh, last year, he you know, two starts at AAA uh, that he wasn't uh, his usual masterful self, but uh, I think you can forgive him that, uh, given that he was pitching at 18, pitched extremely well in Double A. The only thing he doesn't have is a ton of innings. Uh, the Dodgers have been really careful. Uh, he missed uh, a couple of months last year as he had surgery to uh, correct an issue with his, his eye. So he, he hasn't thrown more than 100 innings in any given year, and that's the only thing that's probably holding him back. Uh, you know, Jim has kind of, over the last couple of years, talked about how the Dodgers could have called him up and either of the last two years to help out out of the bullpen. His his stuff is that good, but he, stuff and command uh, and just the mound presence that far belies his years uh, makes him the, the most 
you know, he's the best left-handed pitching prospect in a lot of ways. He's the most intriguing pitching prospect, period, just because of how young he is and how quickly he's come. Number two on the list, Jim, is Blake Snell, and I think Blake Snell kind of got on everybody's radar, even people that don't necessarily cover the, the minor leagues or follow the minor leagues as closely as others, with the start of last season when he went 46 scoreless innings. Yeah, when you when you put up 46 scoreless innings in a row, people tend to notice that, and he kept it going. You know, he started the year in high A, got to Triple A, led the minors. Uh, you know, had that nice head start, wound up leading the minors with a with a 1-4-1 ERA. You know, you know what's nice about Blake Snell from the Rays' perspective is the Rays had you know a record number of early round draft picks in 2011, and it doesn't look like they're really going to capitalize on that much, with the possible exceptions of Snell and, and maybe Taylor Guerrero, but. Uh, yeah, he is, you know, very good stuff for, for a lefty or, or even a righty, I should say. I mean, it's, you know, he'll sit around 92-94 with fastball. It's extremely lively. Guys have trouble, trouble scoring it up. His slider misses bats. His changeup got a lot better last year. His stuff has a lot of life on it. At times he, he struggles to throw it for strikes. He got better last year. I think that's still the, the biggest thing he needs. I think he could make the, the Rays out of spring training, depending on what they want to do with their rotation. Could go back to AAA for a little bit more of a tune-up. But, I, I mean, this guy, uh, you know, I don't think there's many players who boosted their stock as much as Blake Snell did in 2015. Coming into the year, you know, he had a good arm, but he didn't really seem to harness it. And last year, it really, really came together for him. You know, his stuff improved. The control command improved. Uh, you know, the Rays have got to be excited about this guy. All right, Jonathan, who's another guy on this lefty list that you really like? I'll take projectable left-handers for a thousand. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Cody Reed uh, now with the Reds. Uh, he, he came to the Reds from the Royals and the Johnny Cueto trade. And, and much like Snell, he's a guy that when he was drafted, uh, you know, you had to dream on. Uh, and uh, it, it really started to, to come together this past season, uh, first the chunk of it with the Royals, and then even after the deadline when he, he made it over to the Reds, he pitched extremely well. He's made it to Double A. Uh, his stuff has picked up as he's as he's gotten uh, bigger and stronger. And uh, you know, I, I think that yes, Johnny Cueto helped uh, the Royals win a World Championship, but uh, they, you know, it maybe look back in one of these. Tri- this might be the kind of trade that you look back and realize, wow, they they give up an extremely good starting pitcher and Cody Reed when all said and done. Now the Reds, you know, are in rebuilding mode. Uh, there's no need to rush him to the big leagues. Uh, at the same time, he's not that far away from being able to help out. Uh, I think he's another one of these guys that we'll probably see at some point in 2016 unless the Reds decide they just don't want to get his clock started. But, uh, you know, we're talking about a guy with uh, three above average plus pitches. His command has improved tremendously. Uh, another guy who who gets high marks for his competitiveness on the mound, and uh, you know I think it's going to be exciting to see. He probably profiles maybe as a number three starter, but uh, like with a lot of these guys that we've talked about today, uh, because of the upside potential, you don't necessarily want to to limit what you think he can be when all is said and done. And Jim, you like another guy who was also traded at the deadline in 2015. Yeah, and I, I think I've already apologized to, to Jonathan for doubting him on a previous podcast. But <laughs> when, when Jonathan went out to the, the Arizona Fall League right to be in the season, and he told me he saw Josh Hader touch 98 miles an hour. I was like, come on. I like Josh Hader's got a good arm, but I, you know, I, I'm not claiming you're lying to me, but I just I can't believe 98 unless I see it with my own eyes. And I went out to the Arizona Fall League, and I saw Josh Hader touch 98 with my own eyes. And he was – 
you know, outside of Alex Reyes, you know, the best pitching prospect in the fall league. Uh, he got he got some Chris Sale and, and Madison Bumgarner comparisons. He's, he's a low slot lefty, but he was ninety four, ninety eight. Uh, he had a, he had one of the better sliders in the league. He was he was death on left-handers and, and tough on righties. Just even though they got a better look at him, nobody was really hitting that guy at all. Uh, you know, I think the question is, you know, he he hasn't ever piled up a ton of innings in the season. Is, is you know what's his stuff going to look like as a starter? You know, when he gets around the 200 inning mark of, of a big league season. But uh, boy, it, it was impressive watching him out there. You know, and, and impressive for the Brewers. I mean, this is guy was supposed to be the third best prospect in that Carlos Gomez Mike Fires deal. You know, after Brett Phillips and Domingo Santana. And you know, it was funny. I was talking to an Astros official at the winter meetings, and I forget how Hader's name came up, and he said, you know, obviously, you know, we made the trade, we were all in, we're trying to win, you know, and no regrets about doing that, but he said, you know, we need a lefty reliever right now, and if we still had Josh Hader, you know, based on, he'd seen him in the fall league too, Josh Hader could probably help us in the big leagues right now as a lefty reliever, and, you know, we'd be in a little bit of a quandary, do we do we have this guy come up and help the big league team right now, I mean, this, this guy could be a wipeout reliever in short stints, or will we continue to develop him as a starter, and, you know, unfortunately for the Astros, they don't have that dilemma, because he's a brewer now, but uh, you know, he, he's one of many reasons I think the Brewers probably have baseball's most improved farm system compared to a year ago at this time. Yeah, they really did a tremendous job at the deadline and beyond since a year ago. All right, how about a couple of guys that aren't on this top 10 list? Jonathan, I'll start with you. Yeah, and I'll uh, take a, another team whose farm system I think has improved a lot, uh, not necessarily because of you know, huge trades like the Brewers, but the, the Indians farm system for a long time was uh, kind of bereft of of impact talent, and they've they've come a long way. And uh, one of the guys uh, that I want to talk about is a guy they did get via trade, and that's Rob Kaminsky. And they got from the St. Louis Cardinals in the Brandon Moss trade. And uh, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, not the biggest stuff in the world, uh, but really knows how to pitch. And the stuff is good enough. We're not talking about a guy who's you know a soft tosser. Uh, the stuff will be plenty good enough. Uh, I see him as a you know, really solid number three or four starter uh, and a guy who's probably going to continue to move pretty quickly from the New Jersey high school ranks. Got to give a shout-out to the Garden State when I can, of course. And um, he uh, you know, came over, he pitched well for the Indians after the trade, and uh, you know, I think most people looked at that trade and thought that the Indians had, had done extremely well uh, to, to get that kind of return as Kaminsky's kind of been a borderline top 100 guy uh, for the last year now, uh, to get a guy of that caliber, uh, that young, uh, I think was a very good guy. It's only going to become obviously more beneficial once he gets to the big leagues in another year or so. And, Jim, the Indian system, uh, nobody in this top 10, but, man, they have a lot of good lefties, don't they? They do. They do. I was prepared to talk about Justice Sheffield, a first-round pick from 2014 who's kind of flown under the radar despite a very good first full pro season in the Midwest League. And then I realized there was another lefty who merited talking about, and that's Brady Aiken. You know, famous as the number one overall pick in the 2014 draft, failed a physical after agreeing to terms, and wound up becoming only the third number one overall pick not to sign. Uh, in draft history, you know, winds up going to IMG Academy to pitch for the postgraduate team. He hurts his elbow in his first start. 
uh, has Tommy John surgery less than a week later, winds up going 17th overall in the draft. Uh, and if this guy gets back to where he was in 2014, that's an absolute steal because, you know, Brady Aiken, you know, had it all. I mean, he, he's kind of, you know, we've been talking about tall pitchers, and there's a lot of thought, you know, a lot of scouts I talk to, uh, I'm sure Jonathan here's the same thing. I mean, when you have those super tall pitchers, it's great because it's a different, difficult angle and and downhill plane to hit. But like the taller you are, you, you have a lot of moving parts. It's maybe harder to control the delivery. So I, you know, I think most scouts would tell you the ideal size for pitchers six three, six four. That's what Brady Aiken is. He's he's very athletic. He you know he's he's a lefty who had a fastball hit ninety seven. He had a plus curveball. He had a plus changeup. He had a track record of performing very well with Team USA. He threw a ton of strikes. I mean, there were, there were, there were really no red flags on this guy uh, until he failed the fiscal because of concerns about his elbow that, that, that proved valid when he had Tommy John surgery. But, again, you, know, you, you can't take it for granted. I mean, not every guy comes back from Tommy John surgery to where he was before, but so many guys do. And if he does, the Indians basically got a guy who, had Brady Aiken been healthy and shown what he had shown the year before, you know, would have probably been the best prospect in the 2015 draft, and they got him in the middle of the round. I, I, I like the gamble. Uh, I think he's just recently gotten back on the mound. I'm sure he'll be on a very limited innings count this year. But, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, a year from now could be the best left-hander, uh, you know, in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, maybe when we're having this discussion a year from now, he might be number one on the list. Great stuff on all these arms. And the kind of the coolest thing about this, I think, is how many of these guys we're going to see in the major leagues during the 2016 season. So that's a quick rundown of your right-handers, your left-handers. But the top ten lists continue to roll on MLBPipeline.com. Catchers come out today, Thursday, followed by through next week. First baseman, then second baseman, then third baseman, shortstops. Finally, outfielders next Thursday, followed by the top 100 list next Friday. So lots of lists still to come on MLBPipeline.com. That's going to do it for our Pipeline podcast for this week. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Guys, thanks a lot.